0: what's up internet and welcome back to the gadget podcast i'm senior editor devinder hardwire
1: i'm deputy editor Sherlin lo
0: this week it's all about metas connect 2023 event this is the big vr event that they've been doing this is actually the 10th one since it was known as oculus connect so this is a pretty big year for meta and its vr ambitions and i guess ai as everything ends up being this year as always, folks, if you're enjoying the show, please drop us a review on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes, or your podcatcher of choice, and drop us an email at podcast@engadget.com. So, Sherlyn, I think something that's interesting about this meta event is that it was delayed for human Ugh. reasons. Uh, we were expecting human. this thing to start at, a, what was it, like 10 a.m. Pacific um, this week. Uh, what was it? It was Wednesday. And it actually ended up being 30 minutes late because... They had to process people. They had to push people through security. And our reporter, Carissa Bell was like stuck in the parking lot for a while. Um, it was a real reminder that physical events require time to deal with yeah. meat bags and actual things for a company that is trying to be, you know, all in on the metaverse. I found that kind of ironic. Um, I did. Did you have any thoughts just on this thing kicking off?
1: I saw that Carissa had posted a picture saying that it's like Disney level style lines that they yes, were in. Yeah. And I mean, we, we go through all of that when we attend events, right? That's why like people like us, you, me, uh, Sam Rutherford, Chris Velasco, for, we used to know. Um, when we go we to events, to uh, when we go to events, we show up like two hours early. They'll be like, sure. doors open at Well, like, that's, 9 that's more m. you.
0: I think I'm more of a one-hour early person, but yeah. Right, right. But yeah, the, yeah, yeah. They're,
1: they're always like, they'll buffer in time for signing in people, right? Yes. I don't yes. know how many people the meta event had attending um obviously with if you have like only media people attending then like obviously you you don't need as much time to buffer the entrance screening all the security stuff too i heard they had to go through like security as well they they
0: went through like full security like uh you know uh, metal detectors and everything because this event was held at meta's headquarters so i think that was maybe the difference uh i did oculus connect a couple years ago and that was at the san jose convention center so it's a bigger space. I think they're used to, you know, bringing in tons of people. So just uh, at the outset, this event seemed like kind of a shit show. from the for beginning, meta. yeah. Kind of doomed, but also, I don't know. We've had so many weirdly uh, doomed events. I think the Microsoft event we covered last week was also, I why isn't this live streamed? Why aren't you, like, um, promoting more of these things that you're creating if they're so important? And Microsoft seemed weirdly to be downplaying its own event. Amazon had that big event last week, too, at its new headquarters. So... You know, these companies are all trying to make a point. And I think ultimately, though, what is having, you know, seen some of this news, Sherlin, maybe clips of the actual event. Is is there like a word you'd pull from this that Zuckerberg or other people have been saying quite a bit? I'll tell you the word I keep hearing is fun. Oh, no. That is really interesting to me for the guy who was. I think embattled for years because he was running, you know, the world's biggest social media network, uh, social media site, and often had no clue when it came to moderation or, uh, you know, managing the power that he held. Zuckerberg now looks like a guy who is—he um, is fit. He looks like he is healthy. He's doing mixed martial arts and he's talking about that with people too. Like he is just like. He's on the top of the world, apparently, because he's doing what he likes to do, which is launching new products and not dealing with the uh, <laughs> the troubling questions that are still left behind when it comes to social media and Facebook and everything. So mm-hmm. this guy seemed pumped, and he seemed pumped to mm-hmm. talk about these new products. We got the Quest 3, the new headset, and we'll dive more directly into all these. We got the Ray-Ban Meta smart glasses. This is the second version of those camera-equipped smart glasses that we saw uh, back in 2021, And they announced a new AI platform, Meta AI, along with some new chatbots as part of this AI. And the chatbots are powered by celebrities. So including people like um, Dwayne Wade, Snoop Dogg, Paris Hilton, Naomi Osaka, they're all um, personalities either in like text chatbots, because this is a thing that's going to go across uh, Facebook, WhatsApp, and everything, but also... Within the Quest 3, within these new MetaQuest glasses, um, they will be like voice acted by these folks, too. Um, we saw a clip of Snoop Dogg as a dungeon master for like a choose-your-own-adventure-text-adventure adventure game. And that that was kind of fun. That was kind of cool. And Zuckerberg kept reiterating this thing, Sherilyn, where it's like, fun. I, I just want, hey, I just want you to have fun with AI. I want you to hang out with your celebrities. What do you think about this positioning for for Facebook for meta now, fun seems like the main thing. Fun is his concept with threads too, right? Like a less contentious yeah. Twitter.
1: I honestly think it's not a bad approach in the sense that everyone's depressed and everyone's <laughs> yes. looking yeah. for a bit of fun. Yeah. So yes, it, it might he might be actually paying attention to something that we we actually are slow to realize we need in our lives at the moment. I don't know that meta or the metaverse is the way to have fun in your life. Maybe go out and touch some trees. But I think, uh, you know, was it as cringe as when Samsung was doing hype squad fan bay? Like, was it cringy? Did it feel awkward?
0: It didn't, what was weird is that it didn't feel awkward. I feel like, you know, this, he is one of those billionaire dudes who clearly has, like, some meditation gurus or somebody, like, giving him life advice, right? Some some swami or something. And I feel like he is weirdly at peace with what he is doing now. It was actually okay. kind of weird to see because he's very confident. He's very, like, relaxed and just engaged. But mainly with creating these products that he think obviously will, like, hopefully, like, generate demand and engagement from people, but also will help People have fun. I found that just to be a really funny thing to see over and over again. The meta AI stuff, uh, you know, they're not the first company to release a chatbot, but having, you know, first of all, having something um, that you can talk to while you're wearing the Quest 3 or the new Ray-Ban glasses, uh, you could say, I think it's just, hey, Meta. Um, you know, what? It, what is this uh, monument in front of me or what is this building? And the Ray-Ban glasses will like, you know, take a picture and send it to the generative AI and it's using the Llama 2 model and it'll send you back information to just like give you some help. So that is that is also like an interesting use uh, beyond something like Bing AI chat, you know? Like I feel like he's thinking more about how this stuff is gonna factor into our world. So the Meta AI platform is gonna be a new thing spanning all the products. Uh, the new chatbot platform uh almost 30 chatbots it's over 25 personalities that are going to span everything too it just seems really different um i guess really into the vibe like he he just wants good vibes he wants you to have fun using these products he wants you to have fun on like instagram and stuff let's not talk about how instagram makes teens feel you know like the bad social situations around that let's just focus on the fun threads is that's about what he wants yeah that's what he wants threads is about the fun less about news and politics, like more about having a fun, engaging chat with your people. So I almost wonder if it's if it's a little bit delusional, but also
1: it absolutely is. Yeah.
0: Is it a good pitch? Because I think you're right. Like we are all kind of depressed and sad right now because the world is on fire. Yeah.
1: Not just that. I mean, like seasonal uh, depression is going to happen soon. I mean, it's been gloomy for weeks now on the East Coast. And um, I I, want to say, though, that like, yeah, I think fun is a good thing to try to focus on or sell. But yeah, we cannot, like, what are we, we're avoiding the question of what's happening to these chatbots with celebrity voices on them. We already have, like, a lot of coverage of how, like, celebrities are fighting with certain companies. I think it was Dolby that was Mm -hmm. using their likeness to, you know, in perpetuity or something, create, like, their image over and over again. There's, I feel like, a lot of different little legal and ethical things to talk about that meta doesn't do a very good job in general of broaching i think microsoft does it google and apple both have learned that it's important to at least act like you're talking about ethical ai uh and i'm not sure if at the meta event that they actually brought it up
0: no um, no
1: so yeah so it's like oh fun 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 let's it's forget very- to be adults
0: it's very smooth-brained in a way. Like, let's just think about, like, <laughs> oh, we can have so much fun with this. Isn't it cool to have like a, a text adventure with Snoop Dogg? What if he was your DM? That's hilarious. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, it's it's weird. A lot of it fe- it feels like um, let's ignore I watch, the repercussions. Let's ignore a lot of things. Um, it's sort of like the dumbing down consumerism that you know. Uh, the, I watch the Lego Movie a lot because my daughter loves it, and it's <laughs> just stuff like that. Um, the dumb commentary that. Wants to make us, you know, not think deeply about the bigger problems in society. So anyway. It feels very,
1: like, emblematic of what's happening with Zuck, too, right? Like, Zuck had this whole, like, tortured, I don't know, few years where he had to talk to Congress. He had to, like, go through being called a robot and then sunscreen on his face and all of that stuff. And now he's just chilling out. We're watching him grow from Zuckerberg to Zenenberg.
0: He's just being Zen right now. Oh, Zenberg, yeah.
1: Zenberger. zen burger um <laughs> zen this zuck. is very
0: much zen zuck like he is yeah chill um he also did an interview uh, with uh with the verges decoder podcast which is worth right to listen to um he is just chill and engaged and that to me seems really different than the guy who was like sweating profusely on stage where kara swisher was like are you okay or yeah. when he is talking to congress and he's just like terrified because it's like yeah it is very much the cousin Greg, uh, you know, from Succession, being in front of Congress and having no idea like what he's doing there. So anyway, this company, uh, the Fun Company, the Fun Social Media Company, has announced the MetaQuest Three. This is a five hundred dollar successor to the MetaQuest Two. Uh, Sam uh, Sam Rutherford did the hands on for us. I was trying to get him onto chat, but he's off at another event today. So a lot of people are off covering that whole OnePlus thing that's happening. Um, but yeah, MetaQuest 3 looks slimmer, looks a bit sleeker. It has a higher quality uh, screen. It's a 30% higher resolution. It is the first retail device to have Qualcomm's new Snapdragon XR2 Gen 2 chip. For the love of God, Qualcomm, work on your product names. I'm I'm just like, because there's like the other chip that's in other devices right now too. Mm-hmm. So it has 30 percent high resolution, um, 90 hertz refresh rate like before, but also there is an experimental 120 hertz setting. That's a good thing for VR, because the higher refresh rate you get, like the smoother it all feels, the more immersive it feels. The field of view has grown by 15 percent. You don't get the eye and face tracking that the Quest Pro did last year, but also nobody bought that thing. Like that thing was for developers and professionals and I think was widely panned. Uh, I played with one for a while, too, and there weren't there just weren't any apps that really took advantage of all that hardware so i think for a lot of people the quest 3 like it looks good but it, i i forget charlaine do you have a quest 2 still Are i have you a quest 2 it? yeah do you use it nope. regularly
1: it's a beautiful it's sitting beautifully on my display case
0: and that seems like to be the story for a lot of people like uh, i think they announced they sold 20 million units but there were also reports that a lot of people buy them and use them for like a week and just like they just sit there because it's a cool little toy um i don't know if this is the device that's going to like go and get more mainstream buyers it's more expensive than the quest 2 was when it launched that thing was 299 and they also had to raise that price because uh you know manufacturing and everything got really hard so that thing was selling for 400 um i feel like this is a great thing for people who are all in on the quest stuff who are all in on vr uh but it's not quite the thing that's going to get new people there are, there are new controllers too they're a little more streamlined just like the Quest Pros no more ring um it sounds cool it has better pass through cameras so you can do some augmented reality stuff and they definitely took some digs at other companies so like they were like yeah you don't need to you can play games without plugging it into a console like the PlayStation VR2 which is a i believe a sharper and just like it has more features as a headset and uh, you don't have to have, like, a battery pack or a computing pack like you like the Vision Pro does. So they, they're they definitely, like, flaunting what they have here, which is a standalone VR system that looks pretty cool. It's 500 bucks. Are you excited about this? Like, would you want to play with this? Or are you happy with the Quest 2 so far?
1: I, I would like to at least check it out, but I don't think I want to own one. I don't think I have enough of a use case to really have one in my home. Like, I'm mine's quite literally collecting dust um the quest 2 and as much as i have found like fun games like beat saber or like um even supernatural was pretty fun for a while i just don't have enough of a reason to like disconnect myself from everything else around me and sit in vr for a bit it it also just isn't the most intuitive still so you know i don't know i have more room now to be in vr in my home but i don't i don't still don't have like the reason to i don't i don't find myself compelled to do it
0: they also i forget if this was announced at this event but they're they have been talking more about MetaQuest plus which is um a subscription it's a vr subscription 7.99 a month um or 60 dollars a year to get uh you get two hand-picked titles every month which is i guess maybe kind of cool rather than buying stuff individually but it's not quite game pass and also i almost feel like meta has enough money to just go on and be like hey here you can have these devices. Here is a monthly subscription. You pay twenty or thirty bucks a month, you know, for a couple of years, and you get a subscription plus a device. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess they, yeah, do, they yeah, yeah, just yeah. don't want to spend that money now. So well, it's yeah,
1: dumb because first of all, you I already don't have enough reason to like use the thing. Now you're telling me I have to pay sixty something whatever a month to not use this thing. It's not. No, you show me the use case first. Like games, yes, Xbox Game Pass, yes. There's people mm-hmm. game.
0: There's Game on the Pass regular. coming, so that's cool. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, so that's that's fine. But like, eh, this other subscription thing, mm, I don't know if I will pay for. It. I don't think it'll be very popular.
0: It sounds. I mean, again, that's like something catering just to the like people who already love the Quest and everything, and they're not really doing much to bring in new people. And I find that kind of odd. Um, I kind of feel the same way I did when I reviewed the uh, PlayStation VR two, where it's like this is incredible hardware, but the problems in the world of vr still exist and
1: mm-hmm. i don't
0: think meta is quite doing much with that so yeah you're like you're muted response Roland, i think is how a lot of people are going to respond to this i'm hopefully going to be getting to take a look at it soon uh, for our review so i'm looking forward to getting some time with it i've tested all the mainstream vr headsets and even me like the guy who's reviewed so many of these things is like i w- when are we going to get with it you know like what is yeah. what is going to shift things Unfortunately, I guess, like, the only thing I've seen that really impressed me is the Vision Pro. So Right, right. And that's, like, far off and not quite a consumer thing just yet. So, anyway, what did did you think about the Ray-Ban Meta smart glasses? Because I feel like this is more your style, Sherlyn.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think I've seen a lot of other people cover it, like, as a hands-on, and i i mean apparently everyone's really taken with it and i'm like wait these things have been around for a while and everyone was like up in arms when snapchat did it and now they're like no 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 this one is good so i think yes the sleeker frame makes a big difference but I haven't seen this in person myself, to be clear. But based on the pictures I've seen, they don't look that much sleeker. Uh, they they than, look a lot say, sleeker.
0: Like, let me tell you, the old ones were a little chunkier. These look like I can't tell the difference between this and the normal Ray-Ban Wayfarers, which is a super popular style yeah. that everybody buys. Right, this looks exactly the same. So that's pretty. Okay. Wild. So I have <laughs>
1: I have the original Ray-Ban um, yeah. uh, Meta glasses. Yeah. So the stories, yeah. So so we'll see. I mean, if it makes a big difference, I I, I am the sort of person this is for. I love to like record video and share them all the time. I haven't used the Ray Ban stories in a while. I do sometimes go out and you know, think that it would be a great idea to bring the Ray Ban stories with me, but it's just I haven't done it. Um yeah, and I yeah. don't know Whether I might, like, you know, I, I I will probably have to test them out. I definitely feel like this is the product that speaks to me a bit more. And I think more people are excited about it because people can see the, the like pitch. Now people are like, Oh yeah, I'm a content creator. Oh yeah. Like I would love to put this. We're going to see more people buy this because they're content creators now. And apparently influencing is a job now. So,
0: um Yeah, I guess influencing Uh this job. I mean, it does require a lot of work. I did the whole thing about it being job. I don't know. Content
1: creation. Content
0: creation is a job. um, And I hate that word content. It's wonderful. Um, The way I'm looking at this, I tested the Ray-Ban stories, the originals, uh, two years ago as well. Those feel like beta products. Like, those feel like, oh, it's kind of cool that you made this. And it looks almost like a normal Ray-Ban glasses. But the cameras weren't good enough. The battery life wasn't great. They had a really small amount of storage, too. So, like, there were just so many limitations And oh, the thing that killed me was these are Ray-Ban glasses, right? And they didn't have polarized lenses. Oh yeah. I am super light sensitive. Like I am, first of all, all my all my sunglasses have to be prescription because I really need prescription glasses, but also polarization folks. If you have not, like, really paid attention to, like, what is going on with polarized sunglasses, it makes a huge difference. Like, it cuts down glare. It um, it increases clarity. It's sort of like – I think of it like an HDR filter, you know, for the real world where normal glasses will just, like, make things dark. But polarized glasses will, like, highlight certain things, make colors pop. They're really useful for driving. Um, So they launched high-end glasses that weren't polarized. And it's – it just seemed like a complete it, it's like um, that's like selling a high end car, right? That has a uh, cassette radio. Like, I don't know why you would buy this. That seems insane. So now there are polarized lenses. There is a new design. The cameras are much better. These are 12 megapixel cameras. The microphones are better. Uh, apparently, the speakers are better, both in terms of loudness, but also in terms of isolating it. So the speakers through the arms, which I think if I use these, I'd be using that more than the camera. Um all the stuff we really had problems with seems like seems like they did it. Seems like they fixed most of this and it's gonna start at 299, 329 with polarized lenses, three seventy-nine with transition lenses. Um I'm always wary of transition lenses because uh how they affect your body's actual ability to deal with light transition, but that's a cool thing. I you spent time with the Bose frames, right?
1: Yeah, but those are different things, yeah.
0: How like how different, right? frames they, the Bose mm-hmm. frames
1: don't have cameras on them, so they're just speaker. Okay. As, as are the Echo Frames and the Razer Anzu. So those are a different class of device. Um, those are more like open ear speakers that you can put on your face. And some of them will do blue light filtering. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's really just so you can hear things on, you know, on your person while kind of still remaining aware of your surroundings. So good for office environments, which is, I think, why they all died, right? Because no one works in an office anymore. Well, also,
0: you can hear audio through them too, right? Since they're open. So yeah, so you can listen to... It's not private. As in, as in other people near you. Oh, you mean other people around. Yeah. Can still kind it's, not... of, it's like having a speaker right up right. your ear, right?
1: They're, they're marketing kind of it as like, no, you can't really hear the bleed, but you can. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah. So I think in an
0: office, you totally would. So, okay, in terms of like, I, I found those things uh, all compelling too, but what if, what if you had that audio capability and it was better? What if you had the built-in cameras and it was better? And they even, uh, they... <laughs> They fixed uh, the the very simple hack people had for uh, – there is a privacy indicator on both these and the original ones. But if you if you took a piece of tape and just covered that little red LED yeah, right. on the right. originals, like, nobody would know you're recording. It seems like a very stupid and simple hack that Meta just never really thought to fix.
1: Well, I mean, because Snapchat did that that way, too.
0: <laughs> Snapchat did that. Um, Apparently, with these, if you cover that uh, privacy indicator – the glasses will not take pictures or, or video. Mm, that's mm, actually – that's yeah. kind of cool and kind of smart. Um, I think overall, like, as I'm talking about this, I kind of want to play with them just to see what yeah. they are like. Even though I don't want to be saying, hey, Meta, and asking, you know, Meta's AI about stuff. But I'm somebody – like, I'm always wearing AirPod Pros, basically. And I wonder right, if, like, right. I could get, like, you know, on-board on audio on my person without having stuff in my ears. Are you more intrigued?
1: Yeah, no, I think that for you as a parent, you would love the ability to just, you know, when your kid's doing something funny, quickly press the button and then just have, you know, a video saved of someone crawling or or Alexander taking his first steps or something. So there's a lot of um, potential use cases for even if you're not a content creator, there's ways to like find that camera recording uh, feature helpful. And then, yeah, the speaker quality, I'm still a little dubious on. I'm like, maybe it's not great. Um, But it's a nice touch. I don't. I don't expect much from it, um, but it's nice to have it there. I guess
0: they also have um, some of the new frames are transparent. So if you like uh, transparent, uh, you know, electronics like the Game Boy, the old Game Boys, they had transparent plastic. Oh, that is kind of nice. It's kind of sick. It's kind like of like all the
1: nothing devices. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I I think these will probably be far more of a hit, especially among the influencer types. I'll tell you. I tested the last one, the camera stuff with my kids. It was fun. But I think because the audio the quality was so low, I would always rather take out my phone to get like a higher quality thing that will last a lot longer. These should be higher quality. It's not quite 4K, but it looks pretty good from what I can see. Um and Sam seems pretty impressed too from his hands on. Check that out. So those are all the devices and, you know, the whole AI pitch for Meta seems like it does feel like that Microsoft event where we went and we we're like, oh, we are just going to see service devices. And Microsoft was like, no, no, AI is going to take over Windows and don't worry about it. It's the best thing in the world. I feel like Meta is doing the same thing. Um, you you were also intrigued by the generative AI image editing, Sherlyn, that's mm-hmm, coming to Instagram. Mm-hmm. That seems cool.
1: Yeah, that's what jumped out at me, honestly, out of everything that came out of the event. Um, so generative AI image editing is coming Uh, to Instagram. I mean, Meta did say, right, we we would see generative AI in everything, all of its products. It's not just for, you know, the Facebook chat bots or whatever. Um, I'm always curious about AI in image editing and image editing in general. It's so tricky, especially in Instagram where body image issues are rampant, right? But um, with, uh, you know, what it announced at the event, uh, Meta is saying it will have image editing and sticker creation features that are using generative AI. One of them is called Restyle. Uh, It's kind of like, Like um, uh, Carissa describes, Carissa Bell describes it as a supercharged generative AI filter. It'll let you remix your existing photos into different looks. Like uh, if you type the word watercolor or graffiti or like whatever, it will remix your photo uh, that you choose into that style. So kind of like when May 2 or like a lot of those selfie editing apps were doing that like AI edited like watercolor image of your selfies, that sort of thing. This sounds like what it is. Um, and then there's a new tool called backdrop, which is a, again, generative AI powered green screen feature. You can say, uh, put me in front of a beautiful rainbow background. Um, and then the, the filter can put, you know, yourself and then change up your, your green screen backdrop into what you said it would be. Um, no word yet on when they'll be available to Instagram users other than quote soon. So, um, we we saw YouTube last week, last episode we talked about this, right? YouTube's doing this no this thing called Dream Screen or something. I forget the name. So very similar. I think that's what we're starting to see um, pop up. I think people will start to be aware that this is happening. But I still think it's important to like have clear labels as to when generative AI is being used in image editing, at the very least. Again, it doesn't seem like these are going to be like realistic or photorealistic edits. But it, it may be, uh, uh, you know, obvious to people that these are all fake, but it could also seep into, like, other image editing software that might be a little more subtle and maybe a bit, therefore, more insidious. So I, I want to see Meta think about that sort of stuff a bit more, which is, again, what we said at the top of the show, which is that, like, it doesn't seem like Meta's really concerned with repercussions or being a bit careful um, it like seems like is. more of what you said, right? Yeah. But but this like seems like more of what you said, which is fun, 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 and then don't think about all that other stuff. Just fun for now, you know.
0: Just for, it's like as the world burns. As uh, you know, uh, using these AI tools also requires a lot of environmental uh impact, like actually running the cloud servers to power AI generation. Um, apparently, is very expensive and is very like bad for the environment. But don't worry about that because your your Instagram photos can look like watercolor now. I think it's a, it's a fine fit for Facebook, but man, it does feel like, um, yeah, it feels like the ruling class is just like trying to <laughs> deflect us, like trying to make us, don't pay attention, don't pay attention this to This is the, the cake they're giving us, right? Yeah. That's basically it. Um, they didn't really talk much about the metaverse. Uh, Zuckerberg did say the word metaverse a couple of times, but always in the framing of like, you know, the, the VR metaverse or like the AI will help to, you know, will help all this stuff together. Um... Do you think Facebook is in or Meta is in any better place for uh for metaverse as a pitch, or do you think that whole concept has died down?
1: I think they're like, whoops, we should have pivoted to AI a while ago. They and should call themselves Meta
0: it. AI, I think. Yeah. You're,
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh there is a company called III, AI, And they're like, ah oh, shit, that's a good name. And you're
0: like, That's a good name. I mean, Zuck is
1: like, dang.
0: There yeah. was a company called Meta that was making <laughs> that made like yeah. VR goggles. So they had to like buy the trademark or something because that company died. It does seem weird because Zuck spent a lot of time talking about the metaverse after renaming the company. Uh, Was that last year or a couple of years ago? Like it it was a couple years ago, yeah. It was pretty recent still. And um, I feel like that was a crazy thing. Um, There was a lot of talk about all the money they were pouring into Meta VR products and Meta VR platforms. And the only Metaverse thing I saw from Meta was this weird target event where there was like a VR castle and you go and had like really bad target branding all over it and really like just dumb events that like you could play little VR games. It was just like really bad. It was like a bad version of VR chat. I feel like the metaverse needs to be more abstract as we think of it. Like the metaverse is you talking to meta AI across the quest three, across your Ray-Ban glasses, uh, within WhatsApp on your phone or something like I think that's really it's it's the broadening broadening of the internet rather than being a specific like virtual reality place. That right. We think about yeah.
1: I think I think Meta is a, a bit lost as a company right now. I think Zuckerberg might be a bit too chill, <laughs> and it's like all right, whatever we want, bruh, Night, and then just like li- leaving want. it to people to figure it out. Yeah.
0: I mean, the the he he, he weirdly. Um, there's a word for this right now. Like he is, he is one of the guys in wrestling, right? Who I think his reputation has uh, has increased because Elon Musk's has decreased so much, and he's become such a blowhard. So when that whole story about them having like a cage match came up, yeah, people were rooting for Zuck because they hated Elon yeah. so much. So yeah. he he has he benefited he's coasting from Elon, on that yeah, right, being a dumbass too.
1: I mean, that's the update I want.
0: Ben is saying uh, the term for that may be a face turn, but I've also seen people call him a hench. Uh, He's not quite a heel. Like uh, wrestling has all these like specific terms that uh, I used to know and I just don't follow anymore. But it was just it's very interesting. Like that whole thing that's basically social clout that defines who Zuck is now. Yeah,
1: that's the that's the update I want. Right. When are we getting this fight? Is it happening in the metaverse? At least give us a fight in the metaverse. Like, come on. It's
0: That's not happening. Easy. Um. Well, according to that uh, that Verge interview, too, like, it's like, oh, yeah, it's not going to happen. But he does want to fight, like, people who actually know martial arts. Yeah. Like, he is getting a yeah. thrill from it. And the dude looks like, you know, Bezos, after Bezos, like, got all pumped and everything, too. Like, he he looks healthy now. So, okay. I guess having all the money in the world can make you a healthy dude. In other news... And speaking of AI, the WGA strike against producers and studios ended this week and seems like a total win for the WGA and Hollywood writers and people who part of that union, mainly because uh, it includes a lot of protections against AI. For starters, generative AI can't be used to write or rewrite literary material, and anything it produces cannot be considered a source material, so that means you can't give AI credits specifically writers can choose to use ai if the company or studio consents to it but studios can't force writers to use ai software like chat gpt um so again that that seems also like if the writer wants to do some ai experimenting or something um it's their choice it's up to them how they handle it so that's kind of cool if a studio already has materials to hand over to a writer they have to disclose if those materials include anything generated ai uh generated by ai Finally, the, quote, exploitations of writers' material to train AI, unquote, is prohibited under the new agreement. So that's a write-up from Marielle Moon at Engadget. And that, that's it. That's, like, a lot of the things that we're asking for. They're also going to be getting higher pay, uh, better pension, health contributions, uh, higher payment and residuals, uh, uh, increased transparency. I saw, too, uh, so performance of your streaming show. Typically, like, Nielsen, if you had a network show, Nielsen would have, like, actual data showing like how many people are watching, what studios should pay you. Uh, Netflix and other streaming studios have been very opaque about that stuff. And because of that, the, the actual creators cannot demand like, hey, I'm one of the most popular things in the world. You should be paying me more. Like the uh, the creator of Squid Game, I think very famously said, he did not make much money, you know, beyond like what Netflix initially paid him. Whereas in the old studio format, like if something was that successful and ended up being that big, they, they would get some residuals. They would get something more. So that's cool. Good AI news. Any thoughts on that, Sherlyn?
1: I mean, I'm glad it's, uh, you know, uh, worked out well for the writers uh, and that there are some protections in place. I think this AI conversation is not over. I think we will continue to have it. and in- all industries, not just writing and content creation. Yeah.
0: It's probably, I mean, we're still waiting for the SAG-AFTRA strike 10 to uh, reports. Our studios are going to be talking with them, but also this win kind of sets a uh, standard. It sets a goalpost that SAG-AFTRA can work on when it comes to actors, because I'm sure they're worried about their likenesses being used for AI. Um, you know, there's a famous story. Uh, Jet Li refused to be in the matrix movies because part of his contract was that they were going to motion capture him, you know, and, capture his movement and that would have been probably part of the enter the matrix games at the time but he was just like no i don't want any i don't know what you're gonna do with this data and that mm-hmm. was very smart mm-hmm. of him to do at the time yeah. i think um i also hope we get to see him in more movies again soon he's been out of the limelight for a while uh but actors are going to be thinking about this and i think they're thinking about their legacies and what ai can do so yeah and it's beyond hollywood like i think this is a good standard for any creative um creative unions or creative workers to think about when demanding AI protections in the workplace. So that's cool. Um, In other, other news, uh, Panos Panay, the ex uh, Microsoft executive, the father of the surface devices, he's confirmed to be the new head of Amazon's devices team. He's taking over from David Limp, who is going to be the new Blue Origin CEO. And I always get that confused because Blue Origin is not part of Amazon, but it's another company that was founded by Bezos. Bezos. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's a whole thing. Like you can't – when I reference them, like the companies are very clear. Like you got to make sure we're separate. But anyway, uh, yeah. David Limp is out. Ponus Pene is in. I wonder what this means because we have talked about how – cringe. Amazon's devices are like they have had some great innovations. I think the the initial Echo move, uh basically betting on that, betting on like a smart speaker, that was really smart and really worked out for them and has really defined the smart speaker era. But what what's next? And what do you think Panos can bring to Amazon?
1: Uh I think I don't know because I think that Amazon like everyone else is leaning into AI for its devices, is leaning into bringing AI everywhere. Um we've seen Panos be more, I don't know, He's he cares about family things, and I think that's a good fit, right? Amazon's really, like, really, if they focus more on family-oriented devices, devices for people in their homes. He's a very smart home guy, and I feel like this might be a better fit compared to something like the Surface, which is really a bit more of a work productivity device, and you can try as hard as you want to make it a more family-friendly thing, but no, it really is more like a, you know, PC nerd kind of, kind of uh, product category. I think that, We will see, maybe not that Parno's will bring a lot of change, but I think for him, it just might fit better, you know?
0: It it may. I mean, I've always seen him as more of a general PC guy, but the difference was, like, he was somebody who is so enthusiastic, like, so emotionally, I kind of love it. I also think it's kind of cringe, but he is so emotionally attached to his work sometimes where I'm like, buddy... This is just a this is just a tablet computer that can has a kickstand. He's a showman. You Let's don't have to cry about it. Um, I know, but I think he can he can give some heart to the Amazon devices because I think the Amazon stuff whenever we see it, it's very lifeless. Like it usually does feature David Limp uh, when he when they announce the products. Right, we have Dave Limp uh, talking about these things um, and a, like a bunch of badly produced videos. But Dave Limp looks way too much like Andy Daly the star of Comedy Central's review. And every time I see him, I'm like, I can't take this seriously. You look like somebody pretending to be a tech CEO, not a real tech CEO. Uh, Panos is going to bring some authenticity to it, maybe some ideas, because he was part of the crazy idea to be like, hey, Microsoft, you should build your own computer. you know, And it should be like nothing the industry has ever seen. Let's spend billions of dollars making this thing a success before you even know it'll happen. I guess Amazon does do crazy pitches, right? So maybe he'll direct some of that energy better for Amazon.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe we'll see some of these robots actually
0: roll out. We have not heard from Panos. Like Since he made this move, like he announced on Twitter, I believe he confirmed, he was leaving Microsoft. And then that's it. Radio silence. We didn't see him at the Microsoft event. Uh, I hope we'll be hearing from him soon because I'm intrigued. And also the idea of AI devices. We'll dive more into that soon. Um, but I, I do think a lot of companies are... Are thinking about this now. So, speaking of Amazon, this seems like more of a typical Amazon story. The FTC has officially accused Amazon of monopolistic practices in its long-expected antitrust suit against the company, and uh, this is a suit led by Lena Khan. We've talked about her before, uh, FTC uh, commissioner right now, who made her name uh, by you know producing a paper that really argued that Amazon was a monopoly in a new way. Not because it was directly hurting consumers, but because its behaviors influenced the market in a way that was ultimately monopolistic. So this is not something that's going to end anytime soon. This is the beginning of a long battle. 17 states, uh, attorney generals from 17 states have joined the agency in the suit. Specifically, they are saying like um, the monopolistic practices include preventing merchants from offering lower prices on other platforms. Forcing them to use Amazon's logistics servers, um, you know, potentially paying for a higher placement too. Um, we also saw like there was a separate lawsuit <laughs> earlier this year around tricking people into paying for Prime subscriptions. So that was also about Prime being also hard to cancel. So, you know, the government is fully on Amazon. Honestly, I think justly because this is a company that blew up and became so powerful because it definitely manipulate the market. It definitely looks at what its competitor or what some of its clients sell and starts to make those soon. So all those Amazon Basics devices and all the other brands they have, like, yeah, they're totally seeing what's happening here. I don't think that's right. Uh, thoughts on this, Shrelin?
1: I mean, what is, it's just kind of demoralizing, but yeah, I, I, I think we need to... F- See more improvement from Amazon on these things. We just keep seeing Amazon get away with a lot of their like unethical practices. They are getting a bit better on some of it, like the carbon footprint stuff. It seems like they're making an effort. Um, but yeah, always more criticism, more oversight is usually good for big companies, the size of Amazon. So I don't I see this as a like general step in the right direction, basically.
0: hmm. I think, yeah, that's ultimately it. And the FTC has done, like, they they have kept their eye on Amazon for a while, too. There was a lawsuit they settled um, earlier this year, too. Uh, Amazon will paid $25 million to settle a lawsuit over Alexa privacy around kids. Um, it allegedly held children's voice data for longer than allowed. So, you know, these companies are gonna going to be lazy unless, like, regulators actually keep them on their toes. So this makes sense. This makes total sense. And speaking of government stuff, uh, apparently the FCC is planning to restore Obama-era net neutrality rules, something the Trump administration nixed in 2018. Um, So this is cool. This is another very cool thing. Um, Specifically,
1: only now. (laughs) Well, during only it
0: it was because uh, they didn't have the votes. Uh, I think it was just recently after uh, Anna Gomez was sworn in as the third Democratic member in the FCC's five-person panel. Now the agency has a Democratic majority, and they can start to push these things. And specifically, it's around like the idea of net neutrality, right? To really solidify the idea that ISPs can't treat different companies or different data sources differently they can't allow like they can't like charge prices to have somebody work faster or somebody uh i believe this also um they're going to push for internet connectivity uh to count as sort of like an essential thing uh similar to like you know power and water and everything so basic yeah basic necessity so that's cool big hopefully a big win for net neutrality because nothing has happened yet They're just announcing that they're going to start thinking about this.
1: I mean, speaking of nothing has happened yet, I mean, do we know if a lot of ISPs have during the time when, you know, we didn't have these rules in place or they were reversed or something? What Have we had documented cases of ISPs preferential treatment towards, like, their own interested streams or whatever? Um, I'm not saying that it's, like, not bad. I'm saying I want to know if having these rules in place um, would actually show a significant like change or improvement or like ho- what what's going to be the um not the word the, the words not execution what's the like actual implementation of it you know what i mean
0: i see what you're saying charlin um we haven't seen too many stories about that but i do recall there have been a lot of deals i think since that trump ruling i do remember isp's bundling more things together sort of like you can have free hbo you can have free hulu if you're subscribing to us and i wonder if that was part of it it also, it was also getting like those partnerships were hard to keep track of. But I think it was more just not really giving the FCC any power to sort of manage what is happening with ISPs. So if things were to happen down the line, the, the, um, uh, I think this uh, really came down, um, when during the early pandemic stuff, like when ISP said that they would do things sort of like, uh, make bills easier on c- customers, uh, the FCC didn't really have any power to sort of hold them to account around that stuff Mm, so mm, mm. okay this all seems like part of it so we'll be following that FCC news and uh yeah hopefully like that's not something that's going to end anytime soon uh but hopefully we'll see some movement this year moving on to some other news and also hey AI related because that seems to be the theme this year uh the information has a report that Johnny Ive and Sam Altman the CEO of OpenAI are working together on an AI hardware device So that's it, basically. That's the news, is that, you know, Johnny Ive, the designer of the iPhone, uh, who is now running his own independent studio, and uh, Sam Altman, who are apparently friends, are just working on something. We don't know what that something is, but there there is, like, a hint, but let me just say, that initial pitch, Roland, like, when you think of an AI device designed by Johnny Ive, what what are you thinking? A phone? I'm thinking, huh? Okay, when I hear that, I'm like... Clearly, Johnny Ive does not want to build another phone, right? Like this man, this man who loves his, you know, stainless brushed aluminum, um, he wants to go beyond the cell phone, right? Like something that either lives in your house that is always AI connected or something that is always on you that's always AI connected. And I think that's kind of interesting because Albin has ties to Humane, which is a company we've talked about before. This is the one uh, founded by... Uh, Ex-Apple designers and engineers, uh, they've created that wearable device uh, that's sort of like the virtual assistant you could talk to that relies on finger gestures. So there's like a thing that sits in your front pocket, if you have a front pocket, um, that you could like open up your hands and see a dial pad and type that in and talk to this wearable device the way you would typically use your phone. There is a TED Talk demonstration of it. We've talked about it before on this show. It was a cool idea but it seemed like so much just like a big product concept and there was nothing really powering it, right? We didn't know if that was actually a live demonstration. I don't know like how much of that tech actually exists, but apparently Sam Altman is one of the largest investors of Humane. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a screenless device that they're developing that uses voice prompts and gestures. That's it. So, okay, Sherlin, you are in the device world. You have seen, you know, the best that smartphones can be. You've seen the best that wearable devices can be. Do you think something like this is where we go next?
1: I think we're moving towards a world where our devices are not going to be as obvious. I think um, the the Vision Pro world is one world where, you know, everything is you put on a headset and everything kind of like disappears, but you can still interact with the real world sort of. I think everywhere else, we're moving towards hands-free. We're moving towards voice, uh, gestures slowly um and generative ai has a part to play in that by banking assistance a little smarter probably so that's in general i think that's where we're headed so yeah this sort of device has a place in that for sure
0: yeah uh, i bring up the movie her a lot i'm pretty sure you've seen it too right like we we talk about it not yet what are you doing Sherlin? i've we have talked about this movie so much that. anyway when you watch that movie pay special attention to just the way people live with technology because there are like no input devices There are no keyboards. There's no mice. There are occasionally screens, and there is a controller for like a gaming segment, but that's it. Like, what people rely on is an AI assistant that sits in your ear, like AirPods, and is connected to the internet and to the cloud and just talks to you with normal language. So, I I always think about that. That's not a movie people, I think, think about a lot when it comes to like forward thinking future stuff, but that idea of your device kind of disappearing a bit. Um it does seem very like what what we want to do. I don't know how we're gonna get away from that because right now we're also in a world where people want six point eight eight inch smartphone screens, you know? So <sighs> yeah,
1: yeah.
0: I'll talk I'll talk more about that too. But it does seem like, hey, the dream of the Apple Watch, right? If you buy a cellular connected Apple Watch, you can leave your phone behind and you have cellular, you have Siri connectivity, you can make phone calls, you could do a lot less stuff like that. Uh, maybe not so much gestures. Although that double tap gesture seems interesting. Your device disappearing seems like an interesting idea. I don't know if that's actually what we're ever gonna see, but it's intriguing, sure.
1: I think it's what we're working towards. Again, yeah. How long it'll take to get there? I feel like it's more the question than than like whether it'll ever happen. I think it will happen. I think it's just a matter of are we really going to invest in the infrastructure actually needed to make this happen?
0: I the yeah. only thing I'm thinking, just like I. I was here to see smartphones, like, rise up from nothing, right? To see that basically take over the world. And your smartphone is your personal little supercomputer that's in your pocket. It's your buddy. It's your friend. It connects you to all your family and friends. It is your source of entertainment. Like, we are so reliant on our phones right now. Like, I don't think we can go, like, towards a disappearing device until we have a way to bring up interfaces or overlays or like some of that content we expect from our phones. So Right. The vision it's pro. It's a combination yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah,
1: it's a combination of Google's ambient computing thing and Apple's Vision Pro thing. I feel like it's it's somewhere with both of those things where everything is a sensor and everything is a screen around us.
0: Yeah. And this is why I keep going to like holographics or something Um, because the vision pro seems cool, but it's not something you're ever going to take outside of your home. Like it's meant to be in your workspace or in your like work area or in your living space. So, well, speaking of future looking devices, uh, there are some updates on what's happening with the iPhone 15. And I'm wondering if you've encountered any of these issues, Sherlin. a lot of people are reporting that the iPhone 15 pro especially are getting really hot while you're charging them. Like so hot, you can't touch the back of the phone sometimes. Have you noticed like increased heat at all?
1: Not at all. If only because I don't even charge that thing a lot.
0: Okay, okay. <laughs> so it
1: yeah. might be because of that. Um, but I'm not sure. I luckily enough haven't encountered that. But I'm also not like heavy using that thing yet. So we'll have to see.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, the analyst Ming-Chi Kuo uh, says like, the primary cause may just be the newly redesigned thermal system. Uh, because it's a lighter weight. So there's like probably less uh, less heat dissipation happening there, Um, and titanium may actually be something that retains heat more than rather than uh, gets it out. Um, He's saying like his expectations that Apple is going to fix some of this through software updates, but improvements may be limited unless Apple lowers processor performance. So this is one of those like weird situations where I don't. Apple could fix this by basically underclocking these uh, these things somehow. Or maybe while you're charging, underclocking underclocking your phone a little bit to deal with this. But it seems like a strange issue to be having right now. Like, I, yeah.
1: I will say that I have found my iPhone 14 Pro to be running hot for no reason out of nowhere all the time, too. So it's like maybe not just a titanium-specific issue. Maybe there's something. I don't, but it could be also that the 14 Pro is just an older phone now. But
0: Well, so – yeah. Basically, whenever a new OS drops, uh, people are like, "My phone is warm. It's because your phone is well, downloading that entire update, right?" No, so, I
1: haven't updated to the 17. That's what I'm saying. So that's what know. I'm saying.
0: So, like, it is at some point downloading that update in the background and doing a lot of stuff to prep you for the update that maybe we just aren't aware of. Um, but that's usually it, folks. Like, if your phone is warm, especially after you get a new one and you're like, uh, you know, bringing over. All your data from the cloud right restoring from a cloud backup your phone's going to be warm because it's sucking in a lot of stuff to make that happen um it seems also shirlin that uh people agree with you that those fine woven cases yeah. are not good and in fact i know people are calling this this may just be a case gate or something for apple because oh, people wow. are calling these like a disaster because they hate the way it looks they they think like they get damage pretty easily there are photos i'm looking at a nine to five mac picture from an apple store where if you just like lightly scratch one of these things you get like a very visible ugly mark um do you have any further thoughts on the fine woven cases is this a disaster you think
1: i would never scratch that thing because i just can't with the surface texture already like i've said this before the, the the it gives me the heebie-jeebies because i have that phobia of that sort of texture um and i'm not surprised like i think this is something very new for apple um Again, I, I get it in theory, but I don't think the execution is all the way there. I think they should have found a different sort of texture and focused less on making it more suede like because I think that's what's I don't really them. like
0: suede. Yeah, I don't really like suede. We don't suede either. give a crap yeah. about
1: suede. Yeah, but they wanted something premium. So mm-hmm. they're like, here's our premium trash. So <laughs>
0: the premium trash. That's, that's what seems, we've ended up with. Yeah. Like, I, I've been listening to even like super Mac heads who are typically all in when Apple is doing, and they feel like because these things are replacing those leather cases, which historically felt very good they weren't great for the environment not great for animals but they felt good as cases they felt like oh i'm paying you know fifty dollars for this case and i understand why and that is apparently not happening with the fine woven stuff um i don't like apple almost seems like uh, they're gonna have to address this at some point because people are getting really perturbed by these things so anyway if you're picking up i think they will yeah yeah if you're picking up a 15 maybe hold off on the fine-woven cases, maybe consider alternatives. And honestly, I always like third-party cases better because you get you get a much better deal, even if the fit isn't as perfect as it is with Apple's. So, yeah, those, those are two big iPhone 15 updates. And hey, one from me. Uh, let me tell you guys a story. Um, I last week I pre-ordered an iPhone 15 Pro because, as we talked about, I was settling on that and was like, "This is my time to upgrade. I'll go for the smaller one. It's fine." Um, I decided because my order is like several weeks away to just go to an Apple store and just get a feel for these new ones. So I went there, I drove, like, I drove like half an hour to get to one and I picked up an iPhone 15 pro max. And within 10 seconds I was like, Oh, I made a huge mistake because the pro max feels ridiculously light. Like it does feel much lighter than it ever did. Partially, that's because of the weight reduction that we've talked about. It was around like 9%, I believe. Um, but Apple reworked that thing. So you can feel the fact that there is less uh, bezel around the actual screen. It feels like the center weight, um, the center of it, the center of mass, has also been shifted a bit. Where before it used to feel top heavy for me, uh, maybe because of the like big ass camera hump and everything. Whereas now it feels like, oh, I'm just, I'm holding it with one hand. This is a giant phone
1: and yep, it just feels like it it's, feels okay to hold. It feels okay. Yeah. It's
0: under my thumb. Like the bottom is under my thumb. Like usual, I'm scrolling one handed. I could totally see like holding my kids and like doing this thing. Um, and I was holding my iPhone 13 pro right next to it. The plain pro, not the pro max. Yeah. Yeah. And weirdly the pro, it feels yep. heavier because, yep. because the frame material is a little thicker. It's also, I think the the pro max, um, the 15s are also a little thinner. I think, but at least No, like,
1: no, no. Actually, the 15s are a little thicker. <laughs> they're a little
0: thicker, but this side bezel, because of the, it's rounded glass, right? The way you're holding it feels more comfortable. It feels more ergonomic. It just
1: feels, it feels thinner mm-hmm. even if it's not thinner.
0: That's yeah. what it is. So that is, this goes to say, like comparing weight when it comes to devices and stuff like this is not enough. You got to go out there. Like if you're having this debate with yourselves, folks, go out there and feel these things. Like I was calling a bunch of stores to say, Hey, do you have any on the floor for that? I could just hold. And one guy at Verizon was just like, "Ah, if you have a 13, it's pretty much the same. And um, I I had to like restrain myself from saying, no buddy, I beg to differ. Like I, I know it's different. We know we have report, everybody has reported different. Um, But anyway, and there was a nice old lady who was like also testing out phones next to me, and I helped her decide between the 15 Plus and the 15 Pro Max. She probably thought I worked there. You know, that's what happens a lot over here in Georgia. Um, but it was it, it was a nice store experience, and I immediately was just like, okay, I canceled this iPhone 15 Pro. I'm, get, I'm getting the Pro Max. Good job. Yeah. Well, I mean,
1: I'm, I'm in the same conundrum, to be honest. Like, I've been holding off on fully uh, upgrading to a 15 Pro because... What I've been reviewing was the iPhone Pro Max. And I was like, it'd be easier to just transition to the Pro Max. Plus, if I go down to the Pro, I lose the 5X camera. lose the 5X, yeah. And this this phone isn't that bad to hold. Like, it actually feels like it might be okay as my primary driver. So, um, I'm still holding out i still might not but i i think i'm eventually going to i think i'm eventually going to just give in to the pro max
0: I, appeal or i think pro mainly max just game. holding it like was what sold me like yeah I, I thought i could live without a 5x zoom for a year or so like it yeah, will probably come yeah. down to the pro eventually but between the fact that it's not that much more expensive the screen is bigger and you get that camera upgrade you get the bigger battery too which is something that still kind of annoys me when i cover events like i still have to juice up my iphone sometimes um It seems like this is the year of the Pro Max, and just judging from reports, it seems like the Pro Max is the one that's getting bought the most, like it's back-ordered quite a bit. My pro tip for you, if you have waited this long for you, Sherlyn, or anybody else, um, maybe don't buy your phone from Apple, because if you go through Mm. a carrier, they have different shipping, they have have different stocks. So I'm getting it about two weeks earlier than I was going to get it from Apple, because I went through Verizon. And I also noticed that Best Buy also had a whole bunch of units that will ship earlier than Apple's do. So... Some pro tips there, you know, pay attention to that. Also, if you're doing phone upgrades, look at your carrier because my carrier, um, base, uh, Apple was going to give me like $450 for the 13 Pro if I traded it in. Verizon, with all their like weird deals right now, it was over $800 for a two-year-old phone. And I'm paying the new one, paying for the new one over like, you know, over the next couple of years on my plan. So yeah. Nothing major there. Yeah. Look at your carrier deals. Look at what's happening. Some pro tips for you all out there. It's, it's not too late to get an iPhone if you want one. But also, hold off on those cases. Maybe just sit a bit on the, the fine woven cases because things are going to be messy for a while.
1: Find a third-party case. That's all I can say. Yeah. Find a
0: third-party case. There's so many good cases out there. Um, I like to change things up. In other news, uh, the Windows 11 update with uh, Copilot AI is rolling out this week. Uh, It started rolling out on September 26th. Microsoft is doing the thing where it's very much a rolling rollout in that you can't just get it immediately. Um, I know some people who got the update. I'm sitting here refreshing Windows Update to get this thing so I can actually write about it. And no go. And Microsoft couldn't make it available to us earlier either. So I hope to be playing with it soon. Um, I want to get more experience with this thing. Um, you know, if you get Windows Copilot and you have some thoughts on it, drop us an email, podcast at engadget.com. And also, you had an AI story, Sherlyn, that you thought was fun <laughs> for a reason? Or fun?
1: I just I just love the headline on our website this week. Uh, story by Will Shanklin. It's title is the headline is Even the CIA is developing an AI chatbot. And that is indeed happening. Uh, a, a story or a report by Bloomberg revealed that the CIA and other U.S. intelligence agencies will soon have AI chatbots that are similar to GPT. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's it's wild. They're not using uh, existing like you know AI or, or they generative would have to AI build models. Their own thing.
0: Yeah.
1: They well they're it seems like they're training their own stuff. It seems like the program will train on publicly available data and provide sources alongside its answers Quote, unquote, so that public agents data. can. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Publicly available. Are we sure? Are we sure? CIO what are you, to what they call are
0: this sure? thing? Are they going to call it big bro? Can you just say, Hey, big uh, bro, what's up? Can you, all the brown people in this town, I want to know who's there, who's the threat, please.
1: Right, and so so, so to be clear, the CIA hasn't said which AI tool, if any, is using as the foundation uh, for its own chatbot, but the um, uh, director of the CIA's open source enterprise, Randy Nixon, in an interview with Bloomberg, said that the tool would follow, quote, U.S. privacy laws. However, he didn't state whether or how the government would safeguard it from leaking onto the public or the internet, or using information that's Technically public, but not.
0: That's an unfortunate last fully, name for the CIA's no. director of the I Open know. Source I was like, Enterprise. Nixon? Really? Oh, you didn't really I do know. a great job with our data in the past, Nixon's. Um, okay. I'm am, I am terrified but of course this is going to happen because uh, the NSA is known for its big data operation and everything. What's up?
1: I mean to be clear that this tool doesn't seem to be for the public. Uh, it's obviously. meant for the US yeah. intelligence agencies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's for agents to look up info, ask follow-up questions, summarize <laughs> masses of data. So
0: yeah. you know, their
1: own an in-house AI chatbot mm-hmm. that helps Yeah, this yeah, could not this uh, could go wrong. That at hasn't all.
0: worked uh, gone badly for the US government before like um, Say, say what you will about Edward Snowden, but everything he revealed around, like, the government's data collection and metadata collection was was kind of a disaster, and yeah. everybody just forgot about it. And yeah, now you're yeah. going to make it, like, an easy-use tool. Call it Big Bro. You know they're going to call it Big Bro. Hey, Big Bro, give me, a, give me a profile of this entire town, please. Okay, let's move on to what we're working on. Uh, real quick, I can say uh, I'm going to be getting the Surface Laptop Go 3 soon, so this is the new uh, inexpensive Surface. Um, I still feel really weird about that event and, uh, I'm going to be getting the MetaQuest three to review soon too. So stay tuned for further thoughts. What you got, Sherlin?
1: I'm working on reviewing watchOS 10, which I've actually written. I just haven't gotten around to putting it together to publish. Um, and then the Google event is coming up. So we've got a lot of prep work we're doing. We're live blogging that next week on Wednesday, me and Sam will be there. Uh, and then after that, I'm assuming some kind of reviews and then hopefully taking a break. I would love that. Please hear my plea, dear tech company gods. Just stop. Stop
0: announcing things all at the same time. Good God.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Okay. It seems like things are dying down a little bit. I hope I hope you get that time to rest, Sherlin. I hope so. And too, uh, yeah. we're gonna have like I'm I'm definitely gonna talk more about the iPhone 15 Pro Max whenever I get that sucker. I'm very excited. Um let's move on to our pop culture picks for the week. What you got, Sherlin?
1: I got nothing. I want okay. people to send me fun stuff mostly because I have been slightly depressed lately. I've got some like not right. great news in my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So just send me happy things, happy thoughts, good vibes. That'd be great.
0: I can send you some good vibes, Shola, and I will make some suggestions Thank for you. you. But I also know you like a good horror movie.
1: Oh, so okay. yes, I do. if you want some <laughs>
0: fun vibes, some fun thriller vibes, uh, I'm going to recommend to you the movie No One Will Save You, which is on Hulu right now. This is All an right. alien abduction, alien invasion horror thriller. And it's a Lovely. lot of fun if uh I, I don't know aliens about, with aliens with like the little great it gotta be right you gotta be the little great aliens that uh can you know paralyze you and invade your home and uh i don't know potentially probe you or something i don't know if you had this history Sherlyn uh i watched a lot of x-files if you're a fringe fan you should also be more into x-files i love fringe yeah, yeah. Um, i know i
1: like x-files i've watched it
0: yeah <laughs> the 90s were a, tr- a time where people were terrified of aliens and alien abductions it was like a big story at the time and as a kid that was like my one big fear. I don't know why, because these these little gray aliens were just so like they just didn't proby. talk. They're probie, well, they're just like they're freaky. got giant eyes and
1: thin lips. Y'all are funny. Y'all went from E. T. to mm. like fearing aliens. Like to, it's, okay. a, it's a whole th- right. th- like there
0: there's a whole like cultural thesis to to do here because sci-fi movies used to have evil aliens, and then the '80s had like a batch of good aliens, friendly aliens. Yeah,
1: exactly. And then all
0: of a sudden, I think as uh, as the time where we start to distrust the government more. Um, this other thing start happening. Anyway, No One Will Save You is a really great uh, thriller because it's essentially one girl who's trying to, who has noticed this invasion is happening, takes it upon herself to kind of at least protect herself and try to stop it. It's also unique as a film because it has almost no dialogue. I think there are two words spoken in the entire movie. So the entire thing runs like it's just like a silent movie, except there are. There's like sound and sound effects, but it's, you know, people running, people going through situations, not people speaking because you don't have to really. If an alien is trying to take over your home, you're probably not going to be saying too much. You're just me trying to get the heck out of there. I think it's really cool. It's a really well-made horror thriller. Uh, It's from the guy who did Spontaneous, which was a really fun little, like a horror comedy from a couple of years ago too. So I think um, if you want just like a nice, nice bit of thrills tonight, Sherlyn, take your mind off of things. I'd recommend No One Will Save You. I would also recommend Dumb Money, which is a genuinely shockingly, like surprisingly funny movie about the whole GameStop, uh GameStonks yep. fiasco. <laughs> it feels weird to be talking about this because this is a movie that, you know, was directed by the director of Itania, Craig Gillespie. I generally like him. Has a star-studded cast. as has Paul Dano, Pete Davidson, uh, Nick Offerman, uh, Seth Rogen, Sebastian Stan, the Winter Soldier himself plays one of the Robin Hood CEOs.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's also like isn't Jim- a
1: Shailene Woodley in it? Shailene Woodley's wife? in it.
0: Yeah, I love Shailene Woodley. Freaking uh, Olivia Thirlby, who had a really good run in like uh, independent movies in the 2010s, pops up. Dane DeHaan. Pops up America
1: Ferrera, America Ferrera right? is
0: in this. Everyone is in this yeah. movie. It's kind of while Clancy Brown plays the father, of the character. But anyway, it's about the guy who um, you know was running. Um, it was about Keith Gill, the redditor who was you know basically pumping up GameStop stock and uh, believing that because uh Wall Street was shorting it, that that left it to be that made it something that could be valuable to retail investors. It is that whole story. It feels weird to be talking about it because literally we were just talking about it on this show. Like we were talking about yep, exactly. GameStop and GameStonks two years ago. So yep. to have the Hollywood machine kind of go, uh, this is based on Ben Metrick's book, and he is famously somebody who is very fast at like putting together a book about financial stories. Um, to have this all come together in two years, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. just kind of yep. wild. It's just, and also it's funny. Like I think it's genuinely funny Um They get the vibes, right? They even get the, like, setup, like, uh, Keith Gill's GoPro setup to do uh, (laughs) stock streaming and stock commentary. feels very real. It's like a messy basement office just like mine. Um, But also, it's funny when it needs to be. I think Seth Rogen is genuinely, like, hilarious as, like, a billionaire dude who is way over his head. But also makes me think, like, man, it's so weird that Seth Rogen, the guy who's on Freaks and Geeks and a lot of, like, slacker comedies – it can now easily play a billionaire dude. That's the society we're living in. Anyway, it's really funny. It's in theaters now, but it's probably going to be on video demand soon. I think you will enjoy this Sherlin, because, like, there, there's enough like real tech in here, along yeah. with a good comedy and a good story. Yeah. My only criticism is that I don't think it. Uh, I don't think it wraps up in a in a. The movie is trying to be hopeful, like, oh, because all these retail investors did this thing, stock investment will never be the same again. It's not true eh, that's not true no, spoilers not for real true, life the exactly. government got involved and like totally locked a lot of this down this this sort of like a responding to a short sell can never happen again robin hood is yep. not it's like falling yep. apart it still exists right but yep. uh yeah yeah so some people made a lot of money some people certainly made a point, um, uh, shocked at the financial market, but it turns out, like, yeah, the, the world of capitalism in American making still is more powerful than any of this. Anyway, the movie itself is good, though. I think it's worth a watch. That's dumb money It's in theaters. now.
1: Well, that's it for our episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North, our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien this podcast is produced by ben elman you can find davindra online at
0: i'm at Devendra on twitter uh at davindra at Mastodon social at Devendra on blue sky i'm on all the things i'm also on threads but please don't message me there god
1: well you can message me on threads i'm at Instagram on there C H E R L Y N N S T A G R A M, because that is also my <laughs> instagram handle you can't, can smart. you change your
0: handle yet or are you stuck with that i wish i could but oh. i can't
1: yeah uh, and if you really must, I am on X still, I guess, at Sherlyn, though. I just don't pay attention to it. Email us your thoughts at podcastengadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes. And subscribe on your podcast catcher of choice. We're watching him grow from Zuckerberg to Zenenberg. He's just being Zen right now. Zen, Zenberger.